from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And we're here this morning speaking with the Syracuse Orange men's basketball alumni and having some fun this morning. Just had Sonny Spira on the show this morning and having him be a part of the broadcast. Really appreciate Sonny Spira coming on. Always a great conversation and always somebody who says how he feels and says what he means, doesn't mince words, and I appreciate that. I respect that. I enjoy that, that you know he tells you what's going on in his brain and what he thinks about it, and when he wants to see better, he asks for better, you know, and it is funny that, you know, we are in a position right now that, you know, Syracuse is, you know, obviously playing well against the top team in the nation. Syracuse has to get more consistent. I mean, this is one game. It's a great game. It's a wonderful moment. It's something Syracuse can surely build off of. And at the same time, it's also Syracuse having to now be more consistent, now show that they can emotionally bounce back from that and take that beautiful, wonderful win and turn it into more wins, turn it into a team that makes a run, turn it into a team that finds their footing and finds their place in the ACC and in the grand scheme of the NCAA Division I men's basketball you know, reality, this culture, this world, and it's up to them to decide this. They know now that they can go up against the best team in the nation, arguably, and get a victory. So now they have to, they know that they could beat Goliath. So now David has to go back to work and not look at Pittsburgh as a lowly opponent or Miami or Virginia Tech, Boston College, and so on and so forth. Everybody needs to get Syracuse's best game and best foot forward from here because you know you look at what the Jacksonville Jaguars did right Jacksonville Jaguars couldn't beat the Patriots they had never beaten the Patriots in the regular season they they you know they only had I mean you look at the fact that Jacksonville had not defeated the New England Patriots more than once going into this season never defeated them in the regular season never defeated them when they had Tom Brady as their quarterback this that and the other so they do it this year right they avenge their loss in the tournament, in the Final Four of the NFL, just like Syracuse avenged their loss to Duke this time around, right? So go with me on this play. Jacksonville plays up against New England in the AFC Championship game. They lose. They play them the following season in the regular season. They avenge that loss. Syracuse loses in the Sweet 16 in Omaha, Nebraska to Duke. They play them this season in the regular season. They avenge that loss. Jacksonville forgets to play the rest of the year. Syracuse cannot do the same. You did it. You beat them. You avenged your loss to a team that stopped your run in the postseason. Now you have to do better than what Jacksonville did and better than what other teams did in the past. You need to win the games that you have moving forward. You need to focus. You need to dedicate. And you need to believe 
that you can do this because it is in your hands. And they've now proven to themselves that they can do it. So the time to achieve greatness is in front of them. They have 14 games left in the regular season. Plenty of time to grow and blossom as a team. Then you have the ACC tournament. And then from there, it depends on what you do. If you take care of business now, you got an opportunity to move forward. I will tell you this. They talk about, well, Cam Reddish isn't there and Trey Jones got hurt, but Zion Williamson is one hell of a player. And on the line right now, we have Roosevelt Bowie Jr. here with us. And Rosie is our second guest in a jam-packed show of orange-filled coverage. And so with that being said, following Sonny Spira as Roosevelt Bowie Jr. here to speak with us on the Orange, their win over Duke and the season so far. Rosie, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Dan? I'm doing very well. And, and Rosie, first and foremost, just what you can say about, you know, Sonny and I spoke about this a couple minutes ago, just what you've seen from the fans this season. They have been, uh, you know, not all of them. Some of them have been extremely supportive. Other so-called fans were saying the team was going to lose by 50. We're, we're saying I'm not even going to watch the game. So what did you take away from the fact that, you know, some fans went into this game thinking there's no shot that Syracuse could win? As an alum, as an alum of, the, of the school and of the program, just what you were seeing out there before the game. Well, um, first of all, I, uh, I, I'm kind of uh, – I don't really watch – I've never been a big a person that had to be guided by what somebody else thought. So my point of view was that Syracuse – Syracuse has a lot of talent. They have to figure out how to come together, get their chemistry working, and 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 they have the talent to do it. They have the coaching staff to do it. it it's up to them to decide how they want to play. We've seen flashes of them playing all year. So we see them go up. We see them go down this season. We see them have proud moments. We see them have tumultuous moments. When you saw Duke start off up twelve to nothing, and then Syracuse go on a seventeen to seven run, just bring me into your take on the first part of this game. How Syracuse never said die, didn't give up. The game had started off like they were going to get blown out of the gym, and yet they stayed the course and got the game to nineteen seventeen, and ultimately got the lead in the first half. Just what you could say about how this team showed their collective maturity on the road in the biggest game that they've had this year. Well, the, uh, the first thing I would say is that at Georgia Tech, they got a they got a chance to see that just because you're playing at home does not mean that that you automatically win the game. So they got a chance to see that another team came into the Carrier Dome and they were focused, they were ready to play, and that individual in basketball, any team can beat any other team, no matter where they play. So it was kind of a, you can always take something positive away from it if you look hard enough. The thing that they took away from it was they took a beat down at home in front of their home crowd, and why is Duke any better than anybody else? Let's go there and let them feel what we felt just, just a few days ago. And when you see that, when you see how Syracuse played up against Georgia Tech, what were your main takeaways after that game? Was it just a bad game? Was it a team that maybe looked like they were – Looking to the next situation, was it just a, a typical off-shooting night because they went seven for 33 from three-point range? What was it, in your opinion? Well, the thing that I always take away from a game is basketball is a, is a team game. 
So there, there is no saving grace for any players, but you got to look at it individually. They were starting to come together. The only the problem that they were having was was playing together as a team. So and that was highlighted by playing against Georgetown. So you, anybody that would watch the game from a player's point of view would say, okay, we have to work on playing together. We have to realize that we are a team. We are one. We are one player. And at any given moment during that game, what can each and every one of us do to help win this game? Going right down to the point where where uh, Merrick Dolan just stepped in front of a, a tractor trailer and took a charge right down to Pascal Chuku having a, having a fantastic game of rebounding of, of 18 rebounds and a double-double. And then you had Ty Spaddle shooting the ball. You had Jose Brissett uh, playing playing tough on the inside. And you had Elijah Hughes that, that did made probably one of the most incredible shots that I've, that I've seen in basketball today. But... They needed every single bit from every single player, whether it be two points, five points, 35 points. They needed them all to win that game because uh, the team needed it to get closer together. Speaking here with Roosevelt Bowie Jr., Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Sotora. Uh, Zion Williamson, he reclassified so that he could be a part of this season with Duke. He has 35 points in the game. He plays all but one minute in the game, first half, second half, and overtime, all but one minute. He came out for a minute of the first half. Just what your thoughts are on Zion. I mean, this man is over 250 pounds. He's got muscle. He can shoot threes. He could bang inside. He's going to get after it. He's extremely physical. What did you see from Zion Williamson, who without him, Duke <laughs> Duke loses this game by by you know by a lot. So Duke, you know, Duke loses this game by 30-plus. So what did you see from Zion in this game? Well, the thing that I that I always look at the most, if you were talking about playing tennis, I'll be I'll be on the same bandwagon with this particular player. But unfortunately, basketball isn't tennis, and Zion didn't have to play against one player. He had to play against Syracuse University, and so you never leave your teammate out there in the open when he started trying. In the end, when he tried to get to the basket, there was double teaming, there was triple teaming. They just swarmed around him like gnats. And if there's no place for you to put the ball down, uh, it becomes difficult. It took a while to get adjusted to it. He is a, a physical specimen. But I always remember, the team will beat the player all the time. And when you look at that, like you said, the team will beat the player all the time. Syracuse swarmed together and did some good things here. Uh, Tyus Battle obviously had himself a, a day in this game, and Elijah Hughes did a lot as well. O'Shea Brissett got involved. Frank Howard had a tremendous second half in overtime. Pascal Chuku played his mind out in this game. So uh, I want to get to each of these guys. Tyus Battle arguably had his best game of the season at Ohio State. And then he had his arguable best game of the season at home in a, a, a shot with under six seconds to play against Georgetown to beat the rival 72-71. to And now, arguably, this is his best game that he's had 32 points in playing all 45 minutes of the game. So what can you say about Tyus Battle? Because he's gotten lost in some of these losses. He's gotten lost, lost in some of these wins. You forget he's even out there. Yet, in these games that are Syracuse's quality wins of the season, that's when he plays his best basketball. What can you say about Tyus Battle at this point? Well, Tyus Battle, I've always felt that he was he needed to come back to Syracuse to to round out his his basketball ability. I've always felt that he has he is a a, a top notch player, 
I've always felt that he he has to he has to learn how to decide uh, when it's his time in the game to take over, um, and 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 the, and the chemistry of this team is different than last year. So you know, it's just a, it's just everybody getting used to playing with everybody. But it's, he's a very important part of this team, and he's got to decide because when he decides to score, he scores. So at that point, it's up to him to. To see where he fits in with this team, this team looks up to him. They will do as he does. He, he basically not only scoring wise, psychologically, he carried this team on his on his back for a while emotionally, and that's what they need out of him. That's what I like about him and his game. I, I didn't even really look at the points. I looked at the way that he supported and carried them when when everybody was a little a little tight. He just came out and just carried them and let them know, like, hey, we can do this. We see what he's been able to do. Speaking here with Roosevelt Bowie Jr., you know, speaking on Tyus, you know, Tyus Battle has, we saw him in the tournament, saw him in the NCAA tournament last year, and putting the team on his back, you know, the the shots that he made, you know, up against Michigan State, being there in Detroit and watching that game firsthand and, and seeing, you know, the step-back jumper that he had. He had a bunch of step-back jumpers in this game, hands in the face, man on, you know, he, he gets called for a charge. He comes right back down and makes the layup that he was trying to make before. You know, we see sometimes that, that Tyus can do this, that he can put the team on his back like a backpack and carry them wherever he needs to carry them. And then other times it's, where is Tyus? Now, he scored in double figures 15 of the 17 games they've had so far. Sometimes it's 11, sometimes it's 20-plus. But where is Tyus in his consistency level? Where is he in your mind, Rosie, because he is that player that is that clutch guy that plays really, really good basketball in the really, really important games, but then there's other moments where we're wondering what's going on with Tyus. So have you figured him out? Can you figure him out at this point, or is there still more left to be seen from Tyus' battle? Listen, Tyus is, uh, you know, he's not, he's not a machine. He's trying to figure out there's a lot of stuff he's trying to figure out. He's going about it the right way. He's, he comes out every game and brings what he, what he has to bring, and then he, he has to sit down and look at everything that happens during that game and try to figure out how you can do something, uh, how you can improve, because each player should be trying to improve game after game. He's no different, and being a good player doesn't always mean a team will do well. You've got to figure out, chemistry has a lot to do with it. He's figuring out that where his place is in this hierarchy, in this hierarchy, what he has to do to help his team win. It's a, it's, it's an ongoing process. It, it'll change. But the good news is, uh, I'm a big fan of Syracuse University. I'm an ex alumni, and I always see the positive, And I always feel that if a player doesn't give up, he'll only get better, and the team will get better. Elijah Hughes, another guy who's been playing up. On the road, Syracuse is 3-0 and in true road games this season at Notre Dame, at Ohio State, and now at Duke. Elijah Hughes hits a shot, and, and Sonny asked if this is the longest shot that a Syracuse player has made. From what I can see, I believe it's, I believe that arguably, you know, that this is from the three-point line of the other side. That shot from Elijah Hughes, and not just that shot, but the way that he played throughout this game, he's the second leading scorer on the team. He's provided offense to a team that sometimes doesn't have Tyus or doesn't have O'Shea or doesn't have Frank. He has been a, a – I don't think he's talked about enough as being a really big part of helping to stir the drink of Syracuse this season. 
What do you think about uh, Eli's shots and Eli's overall play this season? Uh, I like his energy. I always have. I like the fact that he's a much better defensive player than most people give him credit for. He's a, he can rebound the ball when he needs to. He's that he's that player that that he was last year. He sat there and he watched the struggles that they went through, and he came out there and he wanted to be a positive influence on his team. And, and he stepped in there to be that to be that third score, that first score, that second score, whatever whatever the night asked of him. He's capable of doing it, and everybody, it's slowly but surely, they're trying to figure that out now. Normally, you wouldn't say they should be figuring it out, but seeing that they came, players were getting hurt, they're getting back into the mix. Every time you have a new player, it takes time for this chemistry, for this team to find this chemistry, because it's so important how these guys play together, how they get used to passing the ball to one another, expecting what the other team player could do on defense. So they're, they're finding their way. And he is a great addition to the team. I like his intensity. I like his toughness. Um, he is another one that uh, is very valuable for Syracuse. Speaking here with Roosevelt Bowie Jr., you got two double-double guys on Duke's side, and R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson getting after it on the glass, yet Syracuse out-rebounds Duke 51-48. to In offensive rebounds, Syracuse is right there, 13 to Duke's 14 and out-rebound them defensively, 38-34. to Just what you could say about Syracuse getting after the glass and making sure that they were pulling down more boards, even if it's just a few, that's all it takes. Just what you could say about Syracuse on the glass in this game, especially when they're going up against two strong players like Barrett and Williamson. Well, it's something that I talked about on our show, Orange Appeal. Um, the big thing when they lost against Georgetown, I, I mean against um, Georgia Tech, I, I noticed that we were we're not closing we're not closing the middle up we weren't we weren't playing that that kind of defense that we're capable of playing and 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 rebounding when when a team shoots when you shoot a lot of threes and not going in um, it doesn't depend on the bigs to get the rebounds because you're taking longer shots the ball's going to bounce over so it's it's about who gets who wants the ball more who gets the most loose ball who picks up the the long rebounds. That's what Syracuse needed to do. They saw firsthand what happens if they don't do it. Uh, they saw it when they were playing at home. So uh, against Georgia Tech. So this time, they realized that everybody's got to roll up their sleeves and participate in rebounding. And then when that happens, you know, your you bigs get a little confident. They feel confident, like, okay, I don't have to get every rebound, but I can focus on getting the rebounds that are close to me. Uh, hence, you have... Um, that came out there and he literally was like a vacuum cleaner. And I, people always talk about his, his, his height and his weight. I don't give a rat's butt about anybody's weight. If he decides to put his body between another man and go after and go after the basketball with the tenacity that he did last night, I wouldn't care if he weighed 300 pounds or, 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 or 13 pounds. With, with, the, with the tenacity that he went after the ball with last night, it was, it was uh, you can't stop a man like that. I played with Lewis Orr who was even smaller at 6'9", but when he decided he wanted to get the ball, the only thing he could do to get to get the ball away from was run him over, and I'm pretty sure the rule books can't do that. <laughs> and to, to speak on, you know, getting after, you know, what he needed to do in Pascal Chuku, and like you said, size doesn't matter. I mean, Zion Williamson's built kind of like a football player and has a lot of, you know, he's got a lot on him inside, and he's going to make you pay. He's a physical guy. 
Pascal in 32 minutes gets 10 points, pulled down 18 rebounds, makes free throws at the end of the game. Yeah, he went four for eight at the charity stripe, but he made them when they counted at the end of this game. Nine offensive rebounds, nine defensive rebounds, three blocks in this game, and kept himself from fouling out of the match as well. Your thoughts on Pascal, uh, a former starter coming off the bench. He was kind of had lost the favor of Jim Beheim got an opportunity to get back out there to prove himself again and had the game of his Syracuse career so far. Just what you saw out of Pascal, who not only got it done in this game, but was one of Syracuse's best players at the end of regulation and into overtime. Well, the one thing that I know is Coach, Coach Beheim has been, he's been, he's been kind of, well, he's want, that's what he's wanted out of Pascal. The coaches will all, they know how they feel a player should be able to participate in the in the offense and, and when they're out on the court. And he said this post game comment. That's what he wanted from Pascal. He came out and he did it. You know, by by any means necessary. He lost his starting position. He came off the bench. He, he coach found a way to get him motivated to go out there and play. And best of all, he showed Pascal what he's capable of doing. See, the one thing that I think is amazing. Once players realize their their own capabilities, step back because there's no stopping. Once they have their confidence, once they see that the work that they put in is starting to pay off, uh, they don't mind going out and working even harder. I can guarantee you those guys when they hit the, the practice court for the next game, uh, all the laughing and talking and having fun will be done, will be left in the locker room, and they will roll their sleeves up and sparks will be flying out there because they realize that to win games, this is how they have to play. And playing it well is exactly what they're doing right now. What does it say about the team, Rosie, at this point? Because they've they've had some losses here that have made you know some people scratch their heads. The Georgia Tech loss, you know, Buffalo is obviously a good team, but the loss to Old Dominion, who had not played up against Syracuse and, and won in in over thirty years. So you know, just what the overall thoughts were, you know, from you so far this season. They have five losses. They didn't play well at Madison Square Garden. They have twelve wins, though. Can you figure this team out? Are they still an enigma? Just how you see them play such a poor game against Georgia Tech and really lean on the three, and then go up against Duke and do what they need to do and everything they need to do to win at Cameron Indoor. Have you been able to get a feel for this team, or is it still a team that is hard to gauge at this point? Syracuse, I don't. That, that's it's not my job to gauge this team. It's just, this team, what they have to do is they're they're figuring one another out. You know, when you have players that that are injured that are coming back, see, it's very easy to try to gauge a team once the season starts on the first day of basketball season. Every player is there, goes straight through to this this particular point in time. Then you could possibly try to gauge them. But when you when you when you start adding a player every two weeks, every three weeks, um, you have players that start out playing in different positions. Um, you have Merrick Dozier that comes back two inches taller, and now he's playing center instead of forward. You would seem that it would seem like it should be no big problem, but you've got you had Ty Spell before trying to adjust to playing from the shooting guard to playing the point guard. You have Merrick Dozier trying to adjust from playing. Uh, a three-four Euro style to a set where he's going to be grossly uh, underweight. You have these are all things that these are all things that if one of them happens during a year, it takes a substantial amount of time to figure out. You have these things happening in the preseason, so 
teams that the team is learning how to play with one another. But every time you add a new a new person to that to that uh, that roster, you're you're mixing up the chemistry that's out there on the floor. Uh, Nasty Coach Beheim is going to get the going to want to get the best out of everybody, and he's going to push them to get the best. But in order to get the best, they're going to have to figure out. They had to figure out on the fly what everybody was doing. There's a big difference from playing the three or the four and being uh, outside the lane to being playing the five and being in the the center of the lane. So there's a lot lot of adjustment. um, And it's also about feeling comfortable. I played the number five my entire career, and I was very comfortable playing it. But if you'd put me out to play the four or the three, I'm pretty sure I would have been good at it but not comfortable enough to until I had a, a few weeks or a few months behind under my belt doing it. Well, this, these are things that are happening on the fly as people get hurt or people go out. Uh, then you have um, you have the heart of your team, um, Franklin Howard, who's the ball hand, who's supposed to control everything, who is the last piece that's put into this puzzle. And everybody says, okay, great, now that he's back, we can start playing like last year. But no, he's got to get up physically in the same shape as everybody else. And psychologically, he, he already knows, his mind is much farther ahead than his physical fitness. So his mind wants to do things, but his body is not quite, he's not quite fit into the chemistry of the team. And, and the chemistry of the team is totally 100% different than last year. You have two guys shooting the ball all the time. It doesn't take a whole lot of chemistry to like pass the ball to them and get out of the way. Now you have guys that are, you actually have to run plays and feel and feel who's doing what, uh, who's got the hot hand because you want to feed that guy. Um, so it's a whole it's a whole learning curve that they're doing on the fly. And that thanks to the coaching staff who believes in all of the all the guys out there, it's it's very important in this time period that that the, that the players believe in themselves. And they, they, you can't really worry about what the fans are, are, are feeling or doing because you have Syracuse has great fans. They're going to follow you. They're going to they're going to come on board. Um, they're going to get upset when you don't play well, but that's what fans do. But as a player, you got to stay focused. You got to you got to understand that it's a learning process. When the game finishes, everybody's really happy. And, 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 but when practice starts the next day, that game you just played doesn't count. You got to roll up your sleeves and start all over again. That coming from Roosevelt, Bowie Jr. saying, listen, the fans will be there. This team has to be there. And if the fans aren't there, you still got to show up. You can enjoy the win, but when you go to practice the next day, it's 0-0 all over again. Rosie, as always, I appreciate the time, and I appreciate you being here. You make sure you go out to the Craftsman Inn and check out Orange Appeal. Support Roosevelt Bowie Jr. as well as Dale Shackelford. You can find them on social media. It's Orange Appeal, A-P-P-E-E-L. That's A-P-P-E-E-L, Orange Appeal. Check them out. Final words here, uh, Rosie, to tell everybody a little bit more about Orange Appeal. Yes, uh, it's something that uh, Dale Shackelford and I decided to do together. We, we've always talked about games, whether we were uh, on the air or not. We have a, a different, unique, uh, old-school uh, approach to how, to how to talk about basketball. And actually, Dale is a little more harsh than I am. He's uh, he's an upperclassman. He's my captain. And then, but my my point is, I didn't have to be that way because I had I already had an, an assassin on the team at him. So it was my job to go out there and be and be um, you know actually be whatever he wanted me to be. But we talk about the game. We talk about the game from a player's point of view. We'll get other players on. We'll eventually have uh, 
uh, one of the Lexus wants to come down there and, 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 and talk with us. If you really want to see what, get an inside, uh, inside uh, look at uh, Syracuse basketball, we laugh, we joke around, we, you, know, you can come there and just sit down and talk with us afterwards. It's a great location. We have a, a whole lot of fun doing it. That's down at the Craftsman uh, in, in Suites in uh, Fayetteville. That coming from Roosevelt Bowie Jr. Rosie, as always, God bless and, and all positives going your way. And happy to see you and Dale doing something great when you and God, you guys have both been so tremendous in, in my career and always make yourself available and, and have guest starred on so many different opportunities we've had live and over the phone as well. So my thanks to you for all that you're doing, and I hope nothing but the best success for you as you move forward. And obviously, we'll be keeping in touch. Very good. Thank you very much. All right, take care. That coming from Roosevelt Bowie Jr. here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. We have a jam-packed show this morning, like I've been talking about all morning long. Wake Up Call with Dan Satora, wall-to-wall, orange-filled coverage coming off of that win, 95-91 in overtime against Duke at Cameron Indoor. The first time Duke has lost to an unranked team not named North Carolina in Cameron Indoor after going 104-0 before last night. Now it's 104-1, and and I got a nice graphic I'm putting up on social media, so look out for that during the show. Coming up next in just a moment, we will have John Wallace, and a little bit later, we'll be joined by Gene Waldron, all giving their thoughts on Syracuse's successful win over Duke. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily. You know, we bring in local produce. We prepare to order in the kitchen. We hand bread our chicken. We hand spin our milkshakes. It's it's great food. It doesn't taste like fast food. I, I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. It's different. We we try to treat people with intentional kindness here, which is very different and deeper than good customer service. And so. I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly, the impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have at any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop. 
For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your event, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Thank you so much for peeling back the orange with us here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Make sure you're listening to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT. That's Mix, L as in Larry, R as in Roger, dot com backslash Wake Up Call DT. You can also listen on the homepage of WakeUpCallDT.com live every Monday through Friday from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on any device that gets the internet. And, of course, you can go to wakeupcalldt.com for videos, the show archive, articles, and so much more right there in the homepage with plenty of quick links and information for you as well as updated information and the links to the archive for Wake Up Call with Dan Satora to listen on Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, TuneIn, Podbean, the RSS feed, iTunes, and so much more. So make sure you check that out. And, of course, Find us on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, Twitter at Call DT, and Instagram at Wake Up Call underscore DT. God bless, and thank you so much once again for tuning in. We look forward to having your ears and appreciate your time always here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora.